Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father, uh, would you cause your word to come alive in our hearts? Would you speak to us? Lord, uh, convict us, purify us, mold us and fashion us, make us your own, reveal yourself. And Lord, may we come together under our one head, Jesus, uh, for your glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. may be seated. Hope you all have had a good Independence Day weekend. Has it been going well? Yeah? Somewhat? Good. This is the 244th anniversary of the uh, the passing of the Declaration of Independence. It was signed initially just by two people, and then they all gathered together a couple of months later to make sure everybody got a chance to sign it. Uh, but it was an important document, and it, it's important for several reasons. But I'm, I'm going to pick one of them and talk about freedom today. Uh, this is what it says in that document, probably the most famous part of it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, I think that the second of those is the most apt to be misunderstood in our day and time. Uh, liberty is, is the same word we would typically say freedom. Uh, they're synonyms. Uh, freedom is, is important because we're reminded in Galatians 5.1 that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And so it must matter. It's, uh, it's worthy of our, our look into what it is. Now, here's a question for you, and I do want your answer. I want your feedback. What is freedom? What would you say freedom is? To not be oppressed. Anybody want to add anything? To not be afraid. Lack of restraint. The ability to move around. All right, here's a slightly different question. What do you think a scriptural understanding of freedom is? To, to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Let's hone in a little bit. No longer under the conviction of sin. You're free Would you say the bondage of sin, maybe? To, to, to no longer be under the bondage of sin? I, I think that's where we're, we're really hitting on it. That's the, the freedom today, most people would say, is, I'm free to do whatever I want. And you can't stop me because that's a right that I have. I can do whatever I want. And I'm submitting to you that's not really what freedom is about. Freedom is, is about not being under the bondage that comes from sin anymore. It really has more to do with the power, the ability, uh, the opportunity to do what's right rather than to do what you want. Okay? It's the power to do what is right. Uh, 
Um, if we focus it on the power to do whatever we want, then it becomes self-destructive. Now, let's I've got to give you an example of how that's the case. Um, and driving is a good example. Out on our road here, our driveway empties onto Hartley Road. On Hartley Road, what would happen if everybody drove the way they wanted to? Would it be sustainable? No. Would it be healthy? No. Because people would drive at all different kinds of speeds. They drive on the left, the right, the middle, the outside, the inside. Uh, some people would want to do drag races. Other people would want to have, um, uh, I, I know there's a word for it. Uh, they'd want to crash into each other. Uh, uh, yeah, they'd want to play bumper cars. They'd, you know, you can't drive the way that you want to out there. You have to be able to drive the right way. And if you don't drive the right way, then you can find yourself with uh, tickets. You can go to jail. You can, on some roads, they end up putting walls down the center of the road. And, you know, they'll come up with other technology to make you do it if you can't do it on your own. But just being able to do whatever you want ends up self-destructive. Now, our founding fathers understood this. And when they wrote the, this document that we're celebrating, the Declaration of Independence, and they talked about liberty, they were talking about the liberty to do what is right because they weren't being given the opportunity to do that. Uh, for instance... There were grievances that they made against the king. King George and the, the kingdom of Great Britain were, were the ones that they were declaring to the world, we are setting ourselves independent from King George, and here's why. And they had 22 reasons why. They called them grievances. Now, there's one of those that today is the most famous of them. Any guesses as to what that is? Taxation without representation. That's only one of 22. Okay, it was wrong because you're taking from us and you're not letting us have any say about it. You're not doing anything for our benefit with it. All you're doing is enforcing that you can take from us. Here were some of the other things that were going on that were not righteous that we protested. The king has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. In other words, King George had the judges in his back pocket. Whatever King George wanted is however they ruled. And if you don't want to rule that way, that's okay. You don't have a job anymore. Or I'm cutting your pay or I'm taking your pay away until you can come around to what the king wants. There was not justice. There was no recourse for grievances. Here's another one. The king has quartered large bodies of armed troops among us, and he has protected them by a mock trial. Remember, all the judges were in the king's back pocket. They weren't ruling what was just. It's a mock trial from punishment from any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. Did you know that the British Navy was going up and down the coast, and they would stop, and instead of going into town to resupply, they'd come to your farm and take whatever they wanted and do whatever they wanted with whomever they wanted. And there was no recourse for that. 
There was no justice for that. And if you defended your property, they'd kill you. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. This is about a whole lot more than taxation, y'all. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taking captive on the high seas. Now, that's, he, would, he would take over merchant vessels. He'd send the Navy, take over merchant vessels, and you can script all the people on them to become part of the Navy, and now they are forced to bear arms against their country, to become executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. In other words, you join us, and we're going to make you the enforcers. you you got to kill who we say to kill, or we'll kill you. That's not righteous. That's not freedom. They were not free to do what was right. Now, the king was not protecting their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as he before God should have done. Now, just as a matter of interest, there was a 23rd grievance that Thomas Jefferson penned that didn't make it into the final version of the Declaration. Any idea what that had to do with? Slavery. It was, it was so strongly worded. The colonies were forced to have slaves by the king. Even though most of the colonies voted to not have it, the king overrode them, forced them to do it, and he would jail or kill those who, who stood against him. But this is, this is the start of what Jefferson wrote. The king has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him. Captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation hither. And, and that's the opening part of a, of a long paragraph about how heinous this act was and how wrong it was and how we were not allowed to do what is right. Did you know that there were two colonies that didn't vote in favor of that? Otherwise, anti-slavery would have been in our Declaration of Independence and from the founding of our nation, we would have had no slavery. But it was Georgia and South Carolina. They're voted against that. We've paid a horrible price for those two votes. The founding fathers were willing to risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to purchase freedom, the ability to do what is right, not to do what they wanted. The form of government they, that they set up, they knew, could only continue to function through a people who had faith in Jesus. Now you say, oh, no, 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 no. The Founding Fathers, they, they weren't religious people. You have been taught wrong. Charles Carroll of Carrollton was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, one of the wealthiest men in the colonies. He said, without morals, this is after the Constitution, by the way, without morals, a republic cannot subsist any length of time. Does that make sense? They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, not any religion, 
the Christian religion, those who are decrying the Christian religion are undermining the solid foundation of morals, which is the best security for the duration of free governments. Christianity is the best security of your freedom, of a free government, the freedom to do what is right. Jedediah Morse was, uh, he was a patriot in the first decades. He was called the father of American geography, among other things. He said, to the kindly influence of Christianity, we owe that degree of civil freedom and political and social happiness which mankind now enjoys. To what? To Christianity. That's what we owe our political freedom to. Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican forms of government and all blessings which flow from them must fall with them. I was prophetic. We're seeing that. We're seeing that. You take Christianity out of the equation and it starts to fall. John Quincy Adams was the son of John Adams, who signed the Declaration of Independence, who was involved in the Constitutional Convention, who was one of the founding fathers. John Quincy was the sixth president of the United States. This is what he said after growing up in a household where John Adams was teaching him what what was what. He said, the Declaration of Independence announced the one people, e pluribus unum, out of many one, announced the one people assuming their station among the powers of the earth as a civilized, religious, and Christian people, acknowledging themselves bound by the obligations and claiming the rights to which they were entitled by the laws of nature and nature's God. In other words, John Adams believed and taught John Quincy that it is Christianity that we have founded this nation upon and which is important for its survival. Now, I could literally put thousands of quotes up here all along these same lines. Our founding fathers were not amoral or a-religious folks. We we hear about the ones who are, you know, the least religious, like Thomas Jefferson and, and Ben Franklin. Uh, have you ever been in a group of pastors or bishops or priests or somebody somewhere? Somebody among them is the least religious of them. Does that mean they're not religious? In the good sense of the word? No. So, yes, Ben Franklin was probably the least religious. May have been the least religious of all of them. But I would put him toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the church today. The man, he he called upon God, asked for prayers to be made, based our form of government on the things that are in the scriptures. Uh, This is, it's so widespread that freedom is for the purpose of doing what's right and righteous. And our freedom is staked through our form of government upon the precepts of Christianity. There is no other way to do it. Today, there are a lot of people that believe that they should be allowed to do whatever they want and that they should be able to shame others or force others into letting them. They think that that's what freedom is. It's really going to lead them into bondage. It's going to lead them into things that they cannot get themselves out of. 
True freedom comes when the love of God softens a heart to welcome Jesus as the, the Lord and Messiah of their life. So that this new heart finds delight in self-control. Because if you can't control yourself, somebody else will find a way to have to control you. Your conscience or the constable is one way it's been phrased. Self-control to do what is right and good. And there is no other way except through Jesus. Our founding fathers knew that. In his farewell address, George Washington, after spending two terms as president of these United States, he said this. These are other quotes I didn't have time for. He said, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion... And morality are indispensable supports. Now, I want you to know, when our founding fathers used the word religion, they didn't mean what we mean today. They did not mean, well, Christianity or Islam or Buddhism. or They didn't mean that. They meant Christianity. There were different religions of Christianity. You could be a Presbyterian. You could be a Methodist. You could be a Quaker. You could be an Episcopalian. But they did not mean what we mean today. And we misread it when we read that back into it. Washington believed that Christianity was the way to go. And if you read what he wrote, you'll see that that's the case. He was a constitutional expert. He presided over the Constitutional Convention. He knew what he was talking about. And he knew that religion and morality are inseparable from a good government. Um, Charles Finney was one of the main pastors and speakers in the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s in this country. He said, The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter. But the time has come when they must act differently. Christians seem to act as if they thought God did not see what they do in politics. But I tell you, he does see it. And he will bless or curse this nation according to the course that Christians take in politics. That is because politics are subservient to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a tool of God meant to bring peace and prosperity to the people. We have to draw a line, church, and we have to protect what's right and good so that we can continue to be free to do what is right and good. A people who are not free enough to be self-controlled become self-destructive. And we have to stand like our founding fathers stood on the gospel for true freedom. The power and the ability to do what is right. We have to repent where we have not contended for the faith that was once delivered to the apostles and handed down in every generation since. We need to pray for God's mercy that the gospel would bring true freedom across this nation. 
Not because our, our nation is the ultimate expression of the kingdom of God. It's not. We're like Abraham. We read in Romans 11 that Abraham was one of a number that looked for a better country. That country is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. America is only supposed to reflect what we're looking forward to. But it's the garden that we were given to tend Intend that we must or lose what has been so dearly bought and paid for. If we want to have the freedom to live righteously, if we want the opportunity to live into the life Jesus had offered us, if we want to, as was said in, uh, in Matthew in, in the gospel that we read, if we want the opportunity to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and by the way, perfect means mature and complete, and whole. It doesn't mean that you're without error, that you never make a mistake. But if you want the opportunity to be able to grow and mature and become whole, you have to have freedom. And that's what we celebrate today, that generations ago, people pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to provide a way for you and I to do that. Which is pretty unique among the nations of the world. And thanks be to God that they did. Not because America is the kingdom of God, but because the kingdom of God is greater than and can influence even America. I hope these things will guide our prayers when we get to the prayers of the people. Amen. Now, let's stand and affirm our faith in this.